Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your faithfulness. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful that you've brought us into a new year. God, as we worship you, as we open up your word, would you just speak to us now? Would you remind us of that faithfulness, of, of the love that we have, of the grace that you pour out on us each and every day? Amen. Well, uh, good morning. It's good to be with you as we ring in a new year and to worship together as a church family. I hope you had a good Christmas. Uh, we did in the Scavato house. It was our son Luca's second Christmas, um, and we had a great time. He loved all the lights and all the music, and it was just fun to see it through uh, his eyes. And this kid, uh, yeah, it's, it's distracting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> This kid is already so spoiled. He got so many gifts this year and like books and toys, like all this stuff. And he didn't want to play with any of them. He just wanted to play with the chew toy. We got our dog. It was great. Um, but I brought this picture with me. Uh, many, many of you know this, uh, that he was born premature. He spent quite a bit of time in the NICU when he was born. And we actually brought him home uh, the Sunday before last Christmas. And so this Christmas was really interesting for us. Last Christmas, he weighed around five pounds. He had a feeding tube in his nose still at the time. And, and when we were born, you see that thing by him in the picture. Um, we actually bought this. We found this on the internet. Uh, the internet, not all bad. Um, this is, uh, there's a company that makes this, that makes these pillows that are the size of your baby when they are born. And so this is 15 inches. This is how big he was when he was born. And look at that compared to where he is now. It was just so cool to see. I found this, and I took that picture the other day, and he's smiling, and he's happy, and again, he's never playing with any of his toys. He's never sleeping. It's great. (laughs) But it was so interesting just to see this this kind of physical reminder of where he was and where he is now. Those of you that are parents, you probably know this. Maybe you remember how it's hard to notice changes when you're with someone every day. But then you look back, and you notice, wow, look how far that we've come. That idea, that's what I want to uh, talk to you about today as we celebrate a new year and as we do something similar by coming to the Lord's table for communion. Something that I believe is God's physical reminder. The thing that he gives us to show us where we once were and where we are now because of his love for us. I don't know if I'm uh, alone in this. It felt like 2022 went by really, really fast. Faster than maybe all the other years. Maybe it's having a baby in my life. But, but we're excited about this coming year for so many reasons. John mentioned earlier our new series that's kicking off next week, The Gospel in Genesis. There are so many things to look forward to with that series and with this year. But today, it's appropriate, I think, to start here. To start our year at the Lord's table. By examining what Scripture teaches about this act of communion. By examining and exploring and learning what the the purpose, the meaning, the significance of this bread and this cup that we'll be taking shortly. So this is what we do today. As we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we see the first uh, written record, Paul's instructions to the early church of what happened on that night that Jesus was betrayed about this institution that he began, this thing that he started, and the reason for which he did it. So today, as we look at these words, I just want to point out a few things to you as we prepare to share in this holy meal together. 
So if you have a Bible, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll pick things up in verse uh, 23. Verse 23 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he <clears throat> took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Okay, so here Paul gives us so much to talk about and learn and see as we uh, explore this purpose and meaning of communion. There are just two things that I want to uh, sit with and and, uh, explore with you today. We see two things, that communion looks back and communion looks back ahead. It looks back and it looks ahead. We'll look at this first, that communion looks back. Twice we see this phrase in verse 24 and in verse 25, Jesus saying these words, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, the purpose of communion at its very core is to remember Jesus, to remember who he is, to reflect Think back to be given this physical reminder of what he has done for me. Many of you know this. uh, Paul here is writing about what we call the Last Supper. Uh, It was the last few hours, the, the final meal that he shared with his disciples before they would leave and betray and deny him. And this meal that they were sharing together was no ordinary meal, but rather the Passover meal. The Passover meal was itself a time of remembering, of thinking back for the Jewish people to remember the Passover, the time in which God protected his people from the judgment he brought on Pharaoh, the death of their firstborn sons, where God's angel would pass over any house that was covered with the blood of a lamb. Every year the Jewish people did this where they would make this massive pilgrimage to Jerusalem, where they would sacrifice a lamb, where they would remember God's faithfulness, the thing that we just sang about, where they would think back to the deliverance that he gave them. It was this regular part of their calendar. It was built into their lives, this time of remembering, of giving him thanks. See, this is the first thing that we see here today, that remembering is an essential part of what it means to live by faith. Remembering. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see this in uh, Psalm chapter 77, in verse 11. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. We see this too in Isaiah 46, verse 9. It says, remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Remember the works of God. 
Jesus says this. He, he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. He says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, this is what communion is meant to do for us. To build into our lives this rhythm of remembering. To think back. To reflect. To remember where I once was. And where I am now. And to thank God for delivering me. To thank him for his protection. To thank him for salvation. To thank him for all that he does in my life. This is our opportunity today. This is our opportunity every time we come to the communion table to do what so many of us struggle to do in a world that is filled with activity and busyness and distraction. In a world that always looks ahead, let us be people that reflect and look back. Let us be people that build into our lives rhythms to remember. That before we move on to a new year filled with new things, that we would think back on the past one. That we would look to the good and the bad, the life-changing moments and the ordinary ones. And we would ask ourselves, where has God showed up in my life? In the last year, where did I see God's faithfulness? What did he reveal to me about himself? Where did I experience his grace? How did God show up in your life? In my life? In 2022? Communion gives us time to remember who God is and then to give thanks for what he has done. This is the next thing I want you to notice, that remembrance should always lead to thanksgiving. It should always lead to thanksgiving. Jesus shows us this. We're told that he took the bread, and before he broke it, he did what? He gave thanks. He modeled for us the posture in which we come to this table, that we come with grateful hearts. Why? Why is gratitude so important for us when we come to the Lord's table? Because gratitude is the only proper response when someone saves your life. Gratitude is one of the clearest signs that we understand the gospel, that I once was lost and blind and dead in my sin, and because of him I have been given new life. Because of him I am found. This is what the table offers us, these physical reminders of what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 3, of how wide and deep and long and high the love of God is for you. That his love was so sacrificial, so unconditional, that even when we have turned our backs to him, he still breaks himself for us. He pours himself up. He gives himself over that we would be saved. I know that for many of us, uh, this last year was filled with moments that we don't feel particularly grateful for. Anybody have one of those years? A year filled with loss or pain or suffering? A year filled with grief or loneliness? How are we supposed to be grateful for years like this? Well, we look 
where the bread and the cup point us to. We look to the cross. We remember that we have a Savior that is intimately familiar with pain. By remembering that even though we will have trouble in the world, he has overcome the world. By remembering that we have been chosen and saved and loved, that even if I have nothing, if everything is taken away from me, but I still have Jesus, then I still have enough. This is the purpose of communion, to remember and to give thanks. That's the first thing. Communion looks back. And then here's the second thing. Communion looks ahead. It looks ahead. Uh, I'm curious, just show of hands, uh, how many of you in the last couple of years have made a New Year's resolution? Anybody? Not seeing a lot of hands here, South Street. Okay, here's a different question. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution that you have actually kept? couple of hands. All right. Good for you. I, I respect it. Um, I saw a study recently that said that 91% of resolutions do not get kept. 91%. 80% of them don't even make it to February. <laughs> and yet we do this every year, don't we? <clears throat> we do this where we think this will be the year that things change. I do this all the time, that, that this will be the year that I live healthier, that I read more. This will be the year, this is my favorite one, that I eat better. That lasts about 10 days, then I drive by Chick-fil-A, and I am a weak person. But there's something about us, isn't there, that, that wants and, and feels this need for something new. It feels this need for a clean slate, a fresh start. And, and this is what Jesus talks about here in this passage. We see this in verse 25. Paul says this, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is the clean slate. The fresh start that Jesus offers this new covenant in my blood. In other words, that communion shows us that Jesus' sacrifice gives us a second chance new life, a hope, and a future. And again, remember the context where Jesus is doing this, the Passover meal, this meal that's built around three things, around the bread, the cup, and the lamb. We talked about this, how they would sacrifice this lamb, that this was a way to cover and, and make and atone for their sin. And Jesus doesn't include the lamb, does he? He's saying something intentionally, I believe, that, that in this new covenant, no longer must you bring your own sacrifice. No longer must you make yourself good enough or righteous enough for God. See, this is the point of the gospel, that we do not have to make our way to him. Because he has made his way to us. This is why we just celebrated Christmas. Paul writes about this earlier in this same letter in uh, chapter 5, verse 7. He says that Christ is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our sacrifice. He is the lamb. This is what communion does. It points us not just back to the cross, but ahead to the future that we have been promised. That if we are in this new covenant, we have been promised an eternity. This is what Paul means in verse 26 when he says that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That word for proclaim also meaning to preach. 
In other words, in just a moment when we come to the table here, we will all preach a message to ourselves. Do you know what that message is? Here's the sermon that you're about to preach. It's one sentence long. It's the best sermon ever. God is victorious. God wins. This is what we declare to ourselves and declare to each other. That this is what God has done for me. That no matter what the world may bring, no matter what this year brings me, that I have a God that is loving enough to pour himself out for me. Powerful enough that the grave couldn't hold him. That I have hope that he is coming again. This is what communion does. It gives us an opportunity to preach God's power and his victory into every part of our life. To proclaim to my insecurity or my fear the depths of God's love for me. To declare to my anxiety that the Prince of Peace dwells within me. To preach his grace to my guilt. His forgiveness to my regret. His wisdom to my longing for control. This is what we do when we come to this table. I wonder for you and for me what message we need to proclaim to ourselves today and this year. Where does Christ's victory need to reign in our hearts? This is, I think, what Paul means when we read this in verse 27, that we must not take this meal in an unworthy manner. We must not take it in an unworthy manner. He goes on in verse 20, <coughs> excuse me, verse 29, to say that if you do not... Uh, if you do, you eat and drink judgment on yourself if you take this in an unworthy way. Now, notice this. Paul does not say that we must be worthy, that we have to clean ourselves up, but rather that we must take it in a worthy manner. He says in verse 28, to examine yourself. In other words, what we're being told is to not preach an empty sermon. Do not take this bread lightly. Do not drink this cup simply as a religious ritual. Not just because it's the first Sunday of the month. Not just because that's what we do in church. Do not, as Paul rebukes the Corinthians earlier in this chapter, <coughs> do not take this and then mistreat those around you. Especially those who are poor or without power or without influence. But instead... Let this time remind you, point you, first to the cross, and then to the hope of his second coming. Remember the grace that is poured out for you. Remember who Jesus is, and give thanks for what he has done for you. Remember the message that we are to proclaim, not just when we come to this table, but every day of our lives, that God is victorious. That he has the victory. So today, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and then we're going to enter into a time of taking these elements together as a church family. And the servers will pass these out to you. And what I want you to do today is you're waiting to receive this bread and this cup, or as you're waiting for those around you to do the same. I want you to take time to examine yourself. To reflect. We have three questions that we're going to put up on the screen, uh, simply just to guide your thoughts. Where did God show up in my life in this last year? 
What message do I need to proclaim? Am I partaking this in a worthy manner? So today, as we begin a new year, use this opportunity well to reflect, to pause, to slow down, and remember who Jesus is and what he has done. After we do that, I'll come back up and I'll lead us through these elements. But would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, again, we, we are grateful that you brought us here. We're grateful for this day and, and for what this table represents. God, thank you for the love that you show, the proof that we have. Love that breaks itself. Love that pours itself out. Father, we are so unworthy, and yet still you choose us, and you love us, and you save us from ourselves. Give us now this time to reflect on who you are, and what you've done, and, and what message we need to proclaim. Father, allow this to be a time in which we come to your table in a worthy manner. We pray this all in your name. Amen. said, take bread, break it, give thanks, and eat in remembrance of him. Let's do so now. Then he said, take and drink, and drink this whenever you do in remembrance of me. Jesus, again, thank you for this day, and thank you for this reminder that we get to do together. God, help us this year not to lose track of what matters most. Help us to remember your sacrifice and your love each and every day. Amen. And now receive the benediction of the Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.